Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Sean Whetstone. I'm a West Ham supporter. I write for ClarenceHugh.info. I'm also a podcaster on more than just a podcast. You'll find me on Twitter at West Ham Football. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan, and you can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us, both in good spirits, as obviously both of you won, but we can touch on that a little bit later. I want to start off with um, Burnley, who started the day's football against uh, Wolverhampton and did not put forward a very good account of themselves. They allowed 30 shots. Um, Joe Hart actually had a fairly decent day, considering the barrage that they were really under. Do you think that Burnley are just going through some struggles at the moment? They obviously had to start the season early with the Europa League, or do you think there's reason for genuine concern here? So Sean Dyke is in a unique position. I was listening to something on TalkSport actually just yesterday saying the guy is not under pressure because he's unsackable. Mm. You know, they worship him at Burnley. So unlike maybe Pellegrini before today's game, uh, Jose Mourinho and all the other people tip for the sack, Burnley could go down and they would still keep him. In fact, they have done. He's got a job for life yeah. almost, if there is such a thing in football. So there's no pressure on him. They proved last season what a defensive unit they could be. And in fact, I I, I was tempted to put a few Burnley players in early on in my fancy league. Um, I, I think they're turning it around. As we've shown today for West Ham, look, we were rooted at the bottom of the Premier League after four games. Mm-hmm. We were pointless. We had zero points, zero, nilch, nada. Uh, we won today against an unbeaten Everton, just to show you, away from <laughs> home, which we never do. And we're now 16th place with three points. Yeah. So I think you have to put it a little bit into perspective and say, you know, Burnley did really well last season. Look how well Watford are doing at the moment. Uh, Sean Dice is a great manager, in my opinion. Uh, he hasn't got any pressure from the board. Uh, he's got a good group of players, and I, I think he will turn it around. I'll be very surprised if uh, come May or even Christmas, they're still in the relegation zone. I, I think he will turn it around. He's got the experience. He's got the squad. I'll probably eat my words by Christmas, but there you go. That, <laughs> that's my opinion. Uh, I'm less positive. Like Burnley's whole thing has been they concede a whole lot of shots, but for whatever reason, whether it's they just block a lot or whatever yeah, reason they, they is. they allow low percentage shots. They channel people yeah. into less advantageous positions. And the last two games, I guess that's been the case. They've a lot of shots and still 
not not allowed as many as you would think would go in, but they're not creating anything by themselves, and enough shots are going in that they're still losing games. Um, and I don't know. I've been skeptical of Burnley's talent for a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. So if the whole if the and whole this is largely the same Dyche, squad. Yeah, and if the ma- whole magic of Sean Dyche goes, then they really are bad. Obviously, it's way too early to say that this is just the Sean Dyche thing is gone, and you have to wait. But if that if that goes, they're a bad team that is going to go down. But I don't, I don't know. I don't think they'll go down. I'm less sure that it'll turn around. Like I'm not ready to say Burnley are dead, but I'd be concerned. Yeah, I will say that um, the Burnley fans that I follow, like Jamie Smith and uh, uh, Natalie Bromley and them, they all seem to be very negative, not just about the results, but also the play style. It has been some really dull, uninventive stuff. I know on the U.S. coverage they were saying. Um, that it looked like Burnley were the recently promoted side just trying to hold on for a point um, against Wolverhampton, which obviously they did not end up getting. Um, yeah, I, I think... Kevin, certain, Kevin yeah. just let me remind you. I just looked it up. Yeah. They finished seventh last season. That's correct. On 54 points, mm-hmm. just behind Arsenal, right? Yeah. So, as I agree, you say, but... it's mainly the same team. Mm-hmm. They won 14 games, drew 12 games, and lost... Uh, how many did they lost 12 as well i mean those are all now, excellent points but also last year they prevented other teams from scoring and this year they certainly have not yeah are and, you are and, you just saying that'll return to the mean that you aren't reading into no, that as troubling I, I, you I, just I'm, think it's abhorrent or aberrant? i'm just saying also i don't think watford will be <laughs> up there in the top <laughs> six at the end of the season as well fair enough yeah we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll obviously you keep could argue mind. like this squad the squad's been essentially the same for three years. I don't think they had a lot of changes last year. So the season before that, they finished 16th. So. Yeah, and it might be like, an average. Seventh isn't Burnley's, isn't like Burnley have done this for five it's not years. Their norm. This is the outlier. Like last year could very easily be the outlier. Could could well be. It'll certainly be interesting to watch, but well, maybe it won't be because they're playing very interesting stuff. But hopefully that turns around It'll be interesting from a different perspective. <laughs> <laughs> right. Not from the watching like football perspective. Yes. Right. Um, next up, coming into the season, everybody was touting this City versus Liverpool title race. Then Chelsea went out and beat Cardiff. Not a huge surprise, but Eden Hazard has himself a big day and was the driving force in that one. Chelsea have flown a little bit under the radar thus far. How good do you think they can be this season? Um, I don't know about Chelsea. Um I mean, I did. I, I will say, and I wrote for um, who did I write for? Was it the Anfield Index or was it this is Anfield? I'll get in trouble with gags now for saying which <laughs> one. But but I did tip Liverpool to win the title actually uh, ab- ab- above Man City, and not that I wrote Chelsea off, but I don't think. Uh, I mean, if 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 the question is, will has Chelsea got a chance? of uh finishing the top two i would say absolutely not if if you're suggesting they're a dark horse um it will take a while for the new manager to bed in a bit (laughs) a bit like pellegrini uh and and this will be a transition year how many times have we heard that because they have so many managers um so Hmm. i haven't if, if i'm honest with you i haven't seen enough uh chelsea games uh, to, to understand what's really going on. I've only watched highlights, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if your question is, uh, are they the dark horse to turn it all around and win the um, the Premier League this season, then, then absolutely not. 
Um, I'd say they probably haven't been as good as their results have been, but they're also probably going to... Well, if Harry Kane continues to be weirdly not Harry Kane-like, definitely the third best team, even if he does get back to Harry Kane-ness, um, they still have a decent chance of being the third best team. Because, like, I'm not sure the performances have been 5-0-0 good, but they're getting re- results, and mm-hmm. likely they're only going to become more cohesive as the season goes on. As and this they is how Chelsea do things. System. The years that mm. Chelsea have won titles, at times they have certainly yeah, not a, been the best team or played the best style, but they just pick up results. Well, now they do play a good style, but yeah, no, they just pick up results. Um, but I, I'd say the defense, especially with Conte playing a bit further forward now, is still a concern. And the fact, ultimately, like they may could they could be easy like a top, I don't know, seven, eight team in the world and finish third. But Liverpool and City are just stupid good, so I don't think they're going to win the league either. But they're also I'd tip them as third at this point, and they'll probably be very good. A better question, Kev, would have been how rubbish are Spurs this year? <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, your takes on that, <laughs> West Ham and Arsenal fans? Um, <laughs> uh, my take is evil laugh, evil laugh, evil laugh. laugh. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> as Sean very kindly demonstrated just then. Um there was a call that uh, was probably wrong in the Tottenham match, now that you mention it, um, with the Sun penalty not being given. Uh, but VAR was actually trialed in the 3 p.m. kickoffs, the round right after those. Um, and they claimed that only one decision was incorrect during those matches, which was the Sané goal, which was deemed offside. Um, do you think that this is a positive for the current standard of referees, that only one call would have been reversed? Or do you still want to see a system like VAR brought into the Premier League? I, I'm a big fan of uh, VAR, and, I, and I'll tell you why. I think it adds to the entertainment. It adds to the drama. We got used to it. I, I, I know there are the critics, and I think that some Premier League sort of said, you know, it could slow down the match. But, you know, after getting used to it in the, uh, you know, we're all experts, aren't we? We're all refereeing mm. experts. And in the and we got used to it in the World Cup of just going, you know, making the sign of... I, I actually, as, I, as I'm recording this, I'm, I'm actually making the sign of a TV. <laughs> I don't know why, because people listening to this can't see that. Um, but but you get used to that. And I just think it adds the entertainment, the drama. Um, and, and it only can be a good thing because, you know, they're only human. And they're going to get... It's, is it representative that only one decision was wrong on when they tried it? Absolutely not, because there's been some howlers of decisions. And the Premier League now... It's so tight mm. that a, one decision can make the difference between, honestly, between relegation or not, or winning a championship or, or not. I mean, all right, so maybe I'm exaggerating a bit, but but it has come down to goal difference just on, you know, what position you're going to finish. And it's worth £2 million a position. So as the money gets more, as the entertainment value goes up, I think this is all part of the drama. Um the purists will say, never had it in our day, we should trust in referees. But referees are humans, and humans make mistakes. Um, what was it? Which game was it? Was it the Liverpool-Spurs game where, uh, no, it probably wasn't, where he had to look at his um, goal line technology and and everybody... Now, that was that was the Watford game, wasn't it? It was the Man United-Watford game. Sorry, it's a Man United-Watford game where without goal line technology, um, even the referee um, 
hesitated. Yeah, that, that really. did happen in the Tottenham one as well for a Gini Wijnaldum's goal, where Vorm parried it out, but it had just crossed the line beforehand. Yeah, so we've accepted goal line technology. I think we should set VAR. It doesn't have to slow down the game. And as I said, I think it adds a little bit of drama to the people at the match and certainly the people at home. Because we, certainly when I, I didn't go to Goodison today to watch West Ham, I watched it home on Sky. Um, and obviously we have all the benefit of seeing every replay. Was it offside? Should it have been a penalty and everything else? Why shouldn't the referees have that same uh, ability? And, and it doesn't have to slow the game down. So uh, for one, I say... Uh, do it anyway it doesn't matter how good the refereeing standard is because referees will always make mistakes and it only takes one important mistake uh to justify it i am also a fan of var as i have established multiple times on this podcast um uh, less so for drama reasons more just i want to get the calls right if the technology is there and we can get the more calls right i want it um and i do not think uh, six games on one random weekend is representative of the refereeing standard, good or bad. I want VAR. It was great in the World Cup. Uh, less great when it was tried out in the FA Cup last season, but well, I guess we saw a system that worked very well in the World Cup, and kinks get worked out as the system is employed and used. So I want it. want more calls right. And I don't really care about one call was wrong in the six games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up um, the FA Cup trial last year because it was very um, shaky. A lot of calls were made incorrectly that um, shouldn't have been. And I think it gave everybody a whole bunch of pause. Um, but then, uh, as Sean pointed out, seeing it so effective at the World Cup, um, I think has kind of turned that tide a little bit now. Um but if they implement it, if if uh, it is going to be used in England again, they need to make sure that they get it get it right because I, I think the fate of VAR in English football is kind of on a knife edge, um, and we'll see um, whether or not long term it is uh, facilitated. But I agree with you guys. I think it's far more important to get the calls right as long as it's clear to um, everybody what's happening. And I know some stadiums are putting up VAR on the. Uh, scoreboards and everything so that everybody knows because that was one of the issues last year is play would just stop and everybody was wondering what was happening but again as Sean said the fan bases um, it can become an entertaining part and as you were saying uh, as you were saying Dan people will start to figure out you know as the system's in place it'll it'll become norm for both um, the officials and for the fan bases and for the players and everybody will be on the same page and hopefully more more calls will be right than wrong All right, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with some questions for each of our guests. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. All right, and we are back. Uh, Sean will lead in with you talking about West Ham. Um, no Jack Wilshere in the squad today, um, but then you do pick up the win. Do you think there's a correlation between the two, and, and why do you think he was absent? Well, I mean, this is, uh, this is I mean, obviously he's injured and um, Pellegrini has said it, although he sort of played it down a bit um, and talked about a sprain. Um, the rumours are, and, and there's some truth in the rumours, that uh, he may have to have ankle injury again um, and he could be out for three months, which is devastating, uh, both for the player and for West Ham. I mean, here is a player that consistently West Ham had been offered because his history of uh, being a West Ham family and a West Ham boyhood fan. Uh, his injury record is well known, but everybody went, oh, that was two years ago. He hasn't been injured properly for two years. Um, but it's just Murphy's law for West Ham, isn't it? That it appears. Um, I mean, what I was told by a source, a senior source today is no final decision has been made yet. He faces a scan on Tuesday, but it is looking likely that he will need an operation. And, and if that happens, Oof. he would be eight for 12 weeks. Um, you know, he's had so many operations on his ankle. But let's get back to, do we need him anyway? I mean, he was a free transfer, right? But there's nothing so much as free. So I think my understanding is in, in sign-on fee and agent fee, it was about six million quid. Uh, he's on a hundred grand a week, uh, so that's five point two million pound a year. Uh, it, it came out last week that um, David Sullivan, the chairman, only wanted him on a year contract, but Pellegrini insist, insisted on a three-year contract. So there you go. It's a, it's a, it was a twenty-one million pound gamble, and and let's just pray for West Ham and and also for Wilshire that you know his his latest injury is short-lived because it's a lot of money to pay. Uh, week in week out uh, to have another Andy Carroll and that's our fear as West Ham fans you know we've been there before with Andy Carroll that said did we miss him no <laughs> you know um, yeah. Mark Noble and Declan Rice and Pedro Obiang uh, did a very good job in midfield and isn't it interesting when I first heard I was tipped off uh, about the the, the team set up uh, in advance of, of the teams coming out. And uh, and I tweeted out yeah, six changes and people thought I was mad, you know, changing both fullbacks in, in Zabaleta and Masuaku coming in for, for Cresswell and Fredericks, um, dumping Antonio and Snodgrass, starting Yamalenko, uh, bringing in Declan Rice and Mark Noble, um, you could say, and, and and by the way, it was Yamalenko's first full start in, in the league as well. And, and what faith, you know, it was Pellegrini's 65th birthday today and they repaid him with a great birthday present. Yamalenko repaid his faith by getting a brace and, and, a, and a 3-1 win. So did we miss, uh, I know that was a long answer, but uh, did we miss uh, Jack Wilshere? No, but I'm still concerned it's a lot of money that we're potentially wasting. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned uh, Yarmolenko there. Arnautovic also gets on the scoreboard in this one. Saw a great statistic that only Mohamed Salah has been more in, involved in more goals, either goal, uh, scoring or assisting, than uh, Arnautovic has been in 2018. Do you think he's being slept on a little bit for West Ham? 
Did, do I think he's been what? Slept on a little bit? Like, do you think he's not really getting his, his due credit for you? Um, I, I think he is. We, we know how important he is. And I, I put him in my uh, fancy football team. So he earned me a few points today. Uh, shame he's injured again. Um, you're right. Outside of Salah, he, he, he contributes the most. Uh, it's just a shame we just haven't been able... Uh, I mean, he's a top goal scorer, right? So even though West Ham only scored their first points today, scoring three, um, he, he's, that was his third goal he scored. And he got an assist today. So he's, he's immense for West Ham. I, I, I don't know what you mean by slept on that. You know, are you suggesting that he would he be better off if, if he was in another team? Is that, is that your, your point? Uh, no, I'm saying do you think he's not getting the recognition he deserves because he's at West Ham? It, like, uh, yeah, pretty much the opposite uh, of what I was yeah, just accused of. Well, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think so. I think everybody knows, you know, if, if you're a fancy football person or you know what he did after. Look, when, when he changed his position, when David Moyes changed him to a striker, everybody knows that, don't they? I mean, those stats have been shown up mm-hmm. on Sky and those stats have been shown up. And if, if you had him in your fancy team, you know what he achieved in his assists. And his his goals at the end of last season. Um, now West Ham haven't started off great, but as an individual, he's come out one of the best players both today and the other four matches. Um, and has still scored goals, even though we haven't won. You know, as I said, you know, he's fifth fifth game, um, three goals and, and assists. So I I do think certainly from West Ham fans they know. Um, and I know Sky put up a stat today to say he had the most influence uh, in the Premier League after uh, Mohamed Salah. And um, although obviously he's saying how much of an influence he got in this season. So, no, I don't think so. But then I'm the wrong person to ask because I'm a bit biased. <laughs> yeah, for some reason, I just feel like when people are talking about who the elite goal scorers and creators are in the Premier League, they don't really bring him up. And for some reason, it might be a player ID issue because people also tend to ignore Firmino, who at times provides both roles, either as creative or, or creator or scorer. So that's 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 what I was uh, trying to aim I've, for there. I've got you there. I've got you at the end, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Dan, uh, coming to you now about Arsenal. Um, one of the shows where you were the most worried last year was when you were worried that Arsenal were going to lose both Otzel and Alexis. One of the ones you were the happiest is when you had re-signed Otzel. He starts the season, he's dealing with international controversies, which are ridiculous. Everybody's saying, you know, nobody in the team was racist at him when that wasn't what he was saying in the first place. Um, but then he gets a pretty slow start to the season. His creative numbers are way down. He does get the goal this weekend. What, what do you make of Otzel's early season performances and how do you think he'll develop throughout the year? Um, hasn't been great. Uh, a big thing is he's starting at, on the right, which is just wrong. Um, that's funny. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, the, Ramsey played at 10 against Newcastle over Ozil, and that's just, uh, it's a decision. I'm not a fan of it. Um, yeah, against City, he was just, he was very clearly rusty. Um, Chelsea didn't do great. Missed against West Ham. Cardiff, he was fine. And Newcastle, he's fine. So, it's yeah, like you said, he struggled. But um, he's not a, the star I'm most concerned about the team right now. So that says a lot about where we're at. But um, I don't know. I 
think he'll come around because he's Mesut Ozil. He's a really good footballer. Um, and until there's a larger sample of him being bad, I'm going to assume he'll come around just because he is what he is. But playing him the right is not the way to do it. Um, well, well, that definitely demands a follow-up. Who is the star you are the most concerned about? That'd be Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. <laughs> um, again, being played out of position. Yeah, you and I, Emery. Um, yeah, he's not look good. Like His shot numbers are not great and he's taking more bad shots which is kind of not his thing at all his whole thing is he does is he takes like a relatively uh, like a slightly above average amount of shots but they're all super good shots now he's not really getting as many good shots and he's taking more bad ones so i i'm more concerned about Aubameyang than i am ozil um i'm not not concerned about ozil but Aubameyang is not started well and i'm not entirely sure well I'm not entirely sure how to fix the team in as a whole, um, which would include Aubameyang. Yeah, do you think it is just formational that if everybody was playing in the right positions, things would just snap back, or is there a little underlying issue there? I think there's... I don't know, because he played wide with Lacazette last season, and he was still fine. Um, so I don't know, it might be more... The team's just kind of not gelled, and he's more of a player where he's very much... He gets on the end of things, so if the process getting the things to him to get on the end of is screwed up then he's not going to do as well um and the fact that he's wide just kind of makes that worse that's kind of what i'm feeling but obviously not i don't know but that's that's what i'm feeling (laughs) Mm -hmm. interesting well we should definitely keep an eye to see if they get better because the talent in that attack could be fantastic and lethal it just hasn't been which is a little strange (laughs) yeah i yeah i don't uh Defensive manager. Um, I don't know. That's harsh. But um, I don't like the way he set things up. Um, we'll see if that changes. Yeah. Um, assuming that you read the uh, Hector Bellerin article where he talked about um, the kind of pressure that he's been under and the, the attacks he's received, um, how problematic do you think that it is? And do you think it is coming from within the fan base or outside of it? It's definitely within the fan base. Lots of people hate Bellerin um, because people suck. Uh yeah, it's problematic, but it's a lot of football fans have some problematic or say some problematic things, especially when they're at games and they don't think. I don't know. When someone's at a game, no, no, <clears throat> no matter the sport, everyone gets meaner. Um, like you know, if you go to a sporting event, you hear people, um, especially people who go consistently for some reason tend to do it more often. Um, they'll sc- scream abuse at players if they're doing what they think they're doing poorly. This isn't like a uniquely football thing. This is just. I don't know. It's just a thing that people do. Um, and Bellerin getting abused for it is no surprise. People just don't like him um, for whatever reason. He's very good and he seems like a great dude, but I don't know. People don't seem to like him, whether it's the hair or whether it's the act, the activists on social media. I don't know, but people seem to not like him. Interesting, because you, you would assume that with the level of talent he has, even though he has had struggles here and there, that he'd be a player that people would be delighted to have. But yeah, it, it seems like You'd that think, isn't always the case. <laughs> also, I think his perform I don't know, because he's more offensive. People seem to rate him less highly. Like, he started the season super, super well, mm-hmm. and people were talking like he was one of the worst, and that didn't really make sense, considering the offensive numbers he was putting up were ridiculous. Like, against Chelsea, he was phenomenal. Like, not as many people talked about as you would have thought, and people, I saw some... Some, not a lot, but some people saying he was like bad, and that didn't make sense because he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, it does definitely seem strange. Um, 
I'm going to rant about Tottenham for a little bit, which I'm sure will bring the other two oh, guests joy. Um, <laughs> so so uh, Tottenham lose to Liverpool on Saturday um, and really did not look very good at all, basically from minute one when Liverpool <laughs> were already picking a ball out of the net thinking they'd scored uh, before finding out that Mane had been just offside. Um, but I was trying to think about why it is that Tottenham have looked so bad. And it's it's easy to go to the fatigue place, and I'm not saying that that isn't part of it. Um, but I actually think something that a lot of fans have been praising Pochettino for may actually be a net negative, which is the fact that he has become far more positionally flexible. When he first came to Tottenham, he was basically exclusively playing four-two-three-one, <clears throat> whether or not that was the personnel we had, whether or not those are the players that were fit. Regardless of all of that, just fit eleven players into a four-two-three-one and play it, and it kind of bred a familiarity that really led to us having a very good season the year that we finished um, behind Leicester uh, in second place. And then last year, we got a little more interesting tactically. We started playing three at the back with Davinson, Toby, and Jan before uh, Toby got hurt. Um, so we started doing three four threes. We started doing four three threes every now and again. And those, those things were kind of added throughout the season, and so all of them were bedded in. At the start of this season, we have already played more formations than we have in the previous four years of Mauricio Pochettino's tenure at Tottenham. And while a lot of people are viewing that as a positive because it means he's branching out, he's trying new things, trying to capitalize on individual matchups uh, against teams we're facing, I think it's leading to a lot of hesitancy within the squad because nobody's always certain where they should be and nor are they certain where their teammates are supposed to be. And I think that's led to a lot of the disjointed passing that we've seen throughout the season, with really the second half against Manchester United being the the exception. But it's also worth noting that United had plenty of chances in that second half. I've seen people kind of like lily-white-tinted glasses looking at that Manchester United match. But Jose Mourinho, who often says a lot of crazy stuff, was not wrong when he said that they probably deserved to win that game. They had lots of chances in the first half, and they didn't have less chances in the second half. Um... So the passing is an issue, the mistakes are an issue, a lot of players being caught on the ball hesitating before they pass, players that are passing to, to space instead of to players, but then players aren't in those spaces. Uh, it's it's genuinely a problem, and just as when we had three wins, I didn't think we were title contenders, just because now we've had two losses, I don't think we're not top four contenders, um, but there are definitely issues in the squad, and while a lot of this formational changing has been to deal with either injuries or fatigue or things like that... Um, those issues aren't going away, so we need to find a way to get past that um, if, if we're going to really succeed over the next month, which we have to, with the Champions League being back and, and the difficult group that we have. Uh, so now I'm done ranting about Tottenham, and I hope uh, that uh, <laughs> Sean and Dan didn't enjoy listening about Tottenham's struggles too much. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we won't even ask. We're you not good anyway. Stadium. So, like, what can we talk? Uh. I can't tell you anything about the stadium. My guess is it's past December. Um. So going from there, we'll move on did to you, Did you not? I'm just going to ask you. Yeah. The you went for Mace to do your stadium, mm-hmm. and this week the other company came out and said, "We told you so." Yeah. We said it could never be done in time, mm-hmm. and we said that it wouldn't be finished to December. So, yep. um, Daniel Levy makes a mistake. Kevin. Well, I think everybody knew that it. Well, not initially because they kept giving us all these promising updates, but. Basically, as soon as it was delayed, a lot of people assumed that the club always knew. Um, aside from one of the most hilarious things that you'll ever hear about, that the uh, stadium wiring for the fire safety system shorted and created a small fire, um, yeah. which is just a laughable 
uh, incident to occur. Um, but a lot of people were very angry initially, and now I think a lot of people are just kind of dejected and also unsurprised in hindsight. But like building up to it, they kept saying the 15th, so everybody believed it. Everybody bought their season tickets, all that stuff. Then obviously not the case. Um, so yeah, obviously a, a big issue uh, in between the fan base and the club right now, and it's one of the reasons why I don't know if you guys have seen Tottenham fans typically deal with losses fairly well. We used to do it a lot. Um, not usually big surprises, but people are getting on the team very quickly when there's any struggles because everything else is not going very well between the fan base and the club right now. So if the results aren't there, uh, things can get pretty toxic pretty quickly. Uh, and hopefully a solution is found soon. But like I said, I, I would be surprised if it was before December. And as you said, uh, the previous contractors who, uh, wait, uh, who were the previous ones? Uh, they worked on Arsenal stadium as well. Um, populous. Um, saying they ah, could be well, they, they worked well. on the West Ham stadium as well. Yeah, in fact, Populous pretty much work on every stadium there. They do. If yeah, uh, a worldwide stadium, Populous are the architects for all of them, including uh, rearchitect. Well, I think building the original Olympic Stadium mm-hmm. and rearchitecting the uh, uh, the London Stadium yeah. as well. So. Yeah, so they're everywhere. So uh, what I'm saying is that I'm equally as much of a construction expert as Populous in guessing it'll be after December. Um, (laughs) Now we'll move uh, into Player Watch, where we're going to discuss foreign players, those that are both out of and in it. Uh, Who is the most out of or in foreign player at your club right now? We'll start with you, Sean. Uh, Will we start in inform or outform? Dealer's choice. Well, let, let, let's uh, let's start with inform, and it's it's a hard choice, but I've I've got to go Yarmolenko because you know a lot of people were writing him off, saying what a waste. I think one of his countrymen sort of said, "What a waste of money!" and never take to the the Premier League uh, just in the international break, and what a way to prove them all wrong. You know, I think we spent about seventeen million, which is nothing in today's terms, uh, and what a great way for your first start in the Premier League to score two goals. I mean, you can't ask more than that. So I'm going to put him down as in form. I think um, close by, you know, Marco and Altovic had another good game and uh, and and, and Philippe, Philippe Anderson is coming to his own as well. But, you know, other people surprised me today. I thought Pedro Obiang, Declan Rice, um, you know, I, 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 I could put half the team down as coming into form just for this one game because we won three points. Um, out of form, well, you can look at the people that are behind. I mean, Jack Wilshire, before his uh, ankle injury, hadn't looked a bit pedestrian, if I'm honest with you. Yeah, Jack, uh, I don't think Jack Wilshire is good. Like, I, at all. Yeah. I, general. I, yeah, I, you know what? I, I, I'm writing this, this article as we speak to go out uh, this evening, and I'm not sure that many people are going to be bothered beyond you know the amount of money that we're spending. Um, I, I think we bought Wilshire on his reputation. And before his ankle injury, I don't think he was doing a lot for the team. Um, and, and I think he's going to find it difficult to get back in the team, um, even if he does have ankle in, uh, surgery and, and come back, because I didn't see him offer a lot more. Um, Snodgrass has obviously been dropped. Antonio's been dropped. Um, take your pick. But if, if there's one out-of-form player, a bit un- bit unfair because he's injured this week I, I would probably plump for um jack wilshire on that one okay yeah and then um well i already discussed the bombing for out of form um so i'm not going to go over that again 
Uh, I'm not sure if there's one player who's particularly in like great form, but Lucas Torreira, both the last two games, he's started on the bench and then he's come on and we've looked significantly better. So It's like he was your best yeah. summer signing or something. Uh, you know what? You might have a point there. Could someone inform <laughs> anyone? Anyone at all uh, that matters in the club's decision-making. Um, but yeah, he's looked great. Uh, he came on at, at halftime against Newcastle and like he didn't even... It was funny. It was like statistically, Gundozi couldn't or completed more of his passes than um, Torreira by a fair amount, and I think one of the higher percentage of his tackles. Not that that's that important, but it's a thing. Neither of those are that important, but they're things. But Torreira just he moved everything so much quicker, and he's better defensively, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. And we just looked. I think Newcastle also had something to do with it. I think they also looked worse in the second half, but. Even without that, we just looked so much better and so much quicker and penned them in so many more times in the first half. We did. We were. The first half was a terrible, terrible half of football. There were three shots total, none of them on target. Um, it was just cry-worthy. Um, and we actually looked competent, at, the, at least in the second half, and we're infinitely better with him on the pitch. So, yay, Lucas Torreya. Please start next game. Yeah, going from one Lucas to another for Tottenham. Obviously, the form player is uh, Lucas Moura, who's just currently terrorizing back lines all over England. Um, whether he's scoring or not, he's just such a pest to deal with. Uh, and the fact that he was not... What's the nice way to say this? He wasn't burdened with World Cup action. Um, he's been able to really come out of the gates uh, really, really strong. And uh, we, we knew this. When we signed him in January, everybody was really excited about uh, that first six months. But the idea was always get him a full preseason, get him into the starting 11 and see what he can do. And we're doing that right now. And I think the uh, squad is much better for it, especially with having to deal without Sun for the past month or so with uh, while he was dealing with the Asia games. Um, so Lucas is definitely the player that's been uh, most on form for Tottenham. The players that have been out of form, mostly everyone else except for Deli Ali, um, which uh, has been very disappointing start to the season. Uh, Toby had a really good start after he finally got back into the team, but was disappointing against Liverpool. Um, and it seems like everybody's had that. Everybody's had like one or two good games, one or two bad games. Um, hopefully those will all get ironed out. But Luke is the only player that's been exclusively good. The one that's really had the most struggles thus far is Eric Dyer, who has struggled for so long that people are starting to think whether or not we need to reevaluate how talented we think he is on the whole, um, which is really disappointing uh, considering we needed him to fill in while Wanyama was out injured. But now Wanyama's back, so maybe that issue will course correct itself. Um, but we'll just see. But uh, Lucas, Lucas, the form player, Eric Dyer, the worst of the rest. All right, and uh, we will wrap up a little early here, but with match previews. Um, Tottenham have the first match during the week, uh, this one against Inter Milan. They're coming off a 1-0 loss to Parma, so they're not in spectacular form either. Um, I think Lamella will get the start in this one because Poch has uh, this deep, deep love for playing people against uh, teams that are in leagues that they formerly played in. So playing uh, Lamella in a Serie A match uh, seems par for the course for him. Uh, and Lamella did look very good when he came on against Liverpool, so hopefully that will suit us well. Uh, the big question is whether or not we'll roll Kane out again. Um, when Pochettino was asked if he thinks Kane needs a rest, he said, "We know him. We've known him for four or five years now, um, and and we know when he needs a rest, and he doesn't need a rest." But then, you know, everybody with eyes sees him play. Um, <laughs> uh, you could argue that maybe he's dealing with uh, the tactical change like when he was playing with England uh, over the summer, uh, and he was basically playing a little bit behind Sterling, uh, which cut off a lot of his 
the the paths he could take towards goal. We're currently doing the same thing with Lucas playing in front of him. Um, but the, the big question if Kane's going to be playing in this one, um, it looks like Deli Ali will not be back in time. Loris will not be back in time, so it'll likely be Vorm again. Uh, Erickson, who has not looked very good for us, is probably going to start as well. I, I would love to be confident and say I, I think we're going to win this one, but unfortunately I think it's going to be a score draw. All right, coming to you now, Sean, uh, a little bit of London on London action, much like this pod, uh, but this one's going to be West Ham versus Chelsea. We talked about them a little bit in the open. You didn't seem uh, super convinced that they were title contenders uh, for sure. Uh, are you thinking that you might be able to sneak a point off of them? It's an easy win, isn't it? Um, <laughs> uh, well, do you know what? Chelsea is an interesting London derby. Look, we've not been doing too well at the London Stadium. As everyone knows, we've got a few problems there. Uh, we've been doing a better away from home, say that. We haven't won a game till today. Um, London derbies are interesting because anything can happen. Um, you know, uh, Chelsea went 1-0 down against Cardiff, so they, they, they are fragile, right? Um, they, they, can, they can be beaten. I know they won 4-1 in the end thanks to one player. Um, but I think I think anything can happen. Did I think West Ham would win 3-1 against Everton today? No, I did not. Do I think West Ham are going to turn over Chelsea? No, I do not. But what do I know? I think we have a bit of confidence after our win today. I think we're uh, Pellegrini knows how to set up against the big clubs. And, you know... We couldn't do anything against uh, Liverpool, uh, and we know why now, because cause they're the best in the league, is is my view. Uh, Arsenal, I thought we looked a, a little bit better, and we were a bit unfortunate to end up in the result. But I, I just think we're going to be up for Chelsea. We've got nothing to lose but to go for it. I don't think we're going to just go for a point. We are going to um, stop them playing their game. Uh, I would take a point all day long, Kev, but let's be optimistic and say mm-hmm. and go for a cheeky little home win that after losing four games, we lose against Wolves <laughs> and Bournemouth. I mean, look at Bournemouth flying now. Yeah. And we win. We win three in a row. We, we, we beat uh, uh, Everton away. We beat Chelsea and then we go and beat Man U to win three on a trot and find ourselves mid-table. There you go. You heard it here first. <laughs> And probably last. Dan, you have your huge European clash with Vorskla? Am I I saying that right? I have no idea. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah, um, I would love to say I know stuff about Vorskla. I would love it a lot, but I don't. So there's that. (laughs) But it's a home game in a Europa League against a team I don't know. So we should win and not play all our starters. Yeah, that was going to be my question. Is what kind of side do you think you put out? Uh, some maybe half the starters. I don't know. Um, rest Bellerin because he needs all the rest he can get. After all, he played last season. Uh, throw out a traffic cone at left back because whatever. Um, basically the same as center backs. Maybe we won't win. Um, start I, for Atlanta. I, I, get to see I, him they're in game. my super six. They're in the sky super six this week. So I have put them down for a win. So. I think we'll win. I hope we'll win. <laughs> Dear God, please win. Um, but yeah, Bert Lander should make his debut. That'll be interesting because um, I, I, 
I'm not convinced Lando is good, but I still want him to start because Czech really can't play out of the back, and we are clearly yeah. going to do that. It's it's honestly just mean at this point. Like I'm not convinced we're, this isn't qualified as bullying. Like our highlights shouldn't be allowed on YouTube. Um, but yeah, no. Press the bomb, Yang. Welbeck will probably start. Um, Ozil, I would assume, will be rested. Um, I would just hope Gwendozi plays because that probably means he won't play on or he won't start on the weekend. And maybe we'll play an academy person like Emil Rowe Smith had a great Emil Smith Rowe had a great preseason. Maybe he'll play. Um, not sure, mm-hmm. but I would not like to start before eleven. That would be bad. Would not be happy with that. <laughs> Gotcha. So uh, all of us uh, predicting wins. No, wait, I predicted a draw. Um, but that will do it for us today. Uh, so if you have any projects you're working on, if you want to tell people where to reach you, now would be a good time. Uh, yeah, so, you know, all West Ham news, uh, clarentyhugh.info, where we produce about 20 stories a day because there's always a story in in West Ham news, and I'm associate editor there. Uh, we're back with our West Ham podcast called More Than Just a Podcast.co.uk, which is more as in Bobby Moore. And you can follow me on Twitter at West Ham Football um, for anything to do with West Ham. And yeah, I'm still Dan, and you can still catch me on or on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits, where I will post many dog photos when we concede 12 divorce club. <laughs> uh, I'm your host Kevin DeVries you can find me on Twitter at Kevroff you can find my fantasy writings over at uh, goal.com under the gaming tab this week's is obviously going to be about the Champions League it'll be my experts 11 also have an exciting thing coming up which you can uh, hear me talking about when I start talking about it over at Kevroff uh, so go check me out on Twitter over there also if you're listening to this you're already at the right place to listen to the uh, FPL roundtable and the championship roundtable if you're into fantasy or the league below the Premier League respectively um, so yeah give those a listen go read my stuff and hit me up on Twitter at Kevroff all right guys thanks so much for joining me it was a pleasure as always and folks at home we hope you keep listening when you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year 100,000 mile limited warranty you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible visit your local kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.